Welcome to Sojourn Grace Collective, a progressive Christian church in San Diego. In our community, we affirm all that makes you, you. We celebrate your race, sexual orientation, and gender identity. We honor your socioeconomic status, physical abilities, and religious creeds. Because here at Sojourn, we believe it all belongs. To learn more, visit us online at SojournGrace.com, where you can explore what makes our faith community different, discover resources to help you find wholeness in your life, and partner with us in our mission through tax-deductible contributions. Thank you for joining us today, and may you know, above all else, that you are a loved child of God, full stop. Welcome to Sojourn. I'm Colby. I'm one of the slightly neurotic co-pastors here at Sojourn Grace. <laughs> and um, so this week, uh, many of us took some time to kind of be intentional about the giving of thanks, about postures of gratitude, uh, about reflecting on life and being grateful and thankful for the, the, the gifts that we have. And one of the ways that we might have, might have framed it at some of your Thanksgiving tables is to talk about being blessed. Hashtag blessed. And I was thinking about this word this week, and I'm wondering, what significance, if any, does this word still have in our world today? What significance, if any, does this world have, does this word have in our world today? For instance, we might find our neighborhood's best breakfast burrito. We might get a free upgrade to first class on our flight. We might have the waiter or the waitress seat us at the table with the best view in the restaurant. And to all three of those, we might say that we are hashtag blessed. And I wonder, is that, have we, have we emptied this word of all of its meaning and power when we are claiming that we're blessed because of burritos and upgrades and views? I don't, I don't know. Maybe? Maybe not. That's what, I was, that's what I've been curious about this week. And so we're going to continue in this series that we are now titling. We kind of got into a series before we knew what we were doing. And, uh, and so our series that we're in right now is called Words of Our Heritage, subtitle, An Examination of Our Religion's Words, Ideas, and Practices. And two weeks ago, we kicked it off by examining the word salvation, Last week, Pastor Kate examined the word worship, and today I want to do an exploration of this word blessing with you. And so if it's okay with you, I would like to say a word of prayer, which might be a word we'll investigate here in a couple of weeks. I'd like to say a word of prayer before I uh, go any further. So if, you, if you're comfortable with it, I invite you to close your eyes, not because it's anything magical or mystical, but also because it might help us eliminate distraction which can be a magical and mystical experience, actually. And maybe you would place a hand, if you want, on wherever, whatever part of your body sort of reminds you that you have breath. It might be on your chest or where your lungs are. It might be on your abdomen or your diaphragm is. It might be on your, on your wrist. You can feel your pulse. Wherever you sort of have that sense of, ah, oh, there's my life. And if you would... Let's all take a deep breath in. 
doubt. And if you're anything like me, for the first time, I'm going to now realize, oh yeah, I am in my body today, and I haven't really noticed. I carry around a lot of tension and stress most of the time in my life, and that's often especially true Sunday morning, and sometimes it isn't until this moment when I take breaths with my community that I remember, oh, I'm okay, I can relax. So maybe roll your shoulders back just a little bit. That helps me kind of roll my shoulders back. Maybe do a bit of a circle with your neck just a couple times around just to kind of wake up the body and remind ourselves that we're here. One more deep breath in and out. And now, God, I am grateful for this morning, I'm grateful for this space, new as it is, unfamiliar as it is, foreign as it is. We're still adjusting. We're still getting acclimated, not only to this physical space, but to this world as we are reintegrating again and remembering what it's like to be around other people. And in all of it, I find myself this morning grateful because it feels really good to be here this morning. And I like that I can say that. And now, if anything I'm about to say, God, is uh, or would be helpful, would would be true, beneficial to people in this room or watching online, then may it stick in our brains. May it wedge itself into the crevices of our hearts and may it just stay with us and maybe even have a transformative work in us. And then conversely, if anything I say is untrue or would not be helpful for people, then may your grace just let us forget it the minute I say it. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be an offering this morning. And the beloved children of God all said, Amen. Amen. I confess to you that my beliefs, if I go back into kind of the height of my evangelical days, uh, and Ben, you're still chasing that ringing, yeah? Okay. Uh, If I go back to the height of my evangelical days, my idea around this word blessing was a bit confusing. It was a bit confusing. On the one hand, I was really good at like giving God the glory for things. So if I got things that I perceived as blessing in my life, I would immediately be like, oh, praise God. Even in high school, I had this obnoxious way of saying praise God to give thanks for all the things. And on one hand, that was an earnest, sincere attempt in my life to be grateful for the things that I saw as blessings in my life. But also then on the other hand, I kind of sort of low-key thought that I earned those blessings and I deserved them. I kind of, I kind of had this posture where, yeah, God blessed me, but God blessed me because I'm awesome. I'm awesome because God blessed me, but God blessed me because I'm awesome. If anything that's awesome in me, it's all because of God, but also God Bless me because I'm awesome. And there was this sort of weird posture around this idea of blessing. Thank you, God, for the blessing, but also that makes sense that you blessed me. I did kind of deserve it. And I kind of had this sense that God, like I knew that God was more complicated, more nuanced, more mysterious than this carnival game that if you could just hack 
then you can walk away with a giant Pikachu. But then I also a little bit operated as though there was this divine vending machine in the sky that if I just got the right formula, if I was a good little boy, if I did the right things, if I avoided the wrong things, then I would get these blessings. You know, it's like, don't look at porn, B, lead a Bible study every week, 24, woohoo, free Butterfinger. Like this was kind of my attitude toward God and blessings. Do the right things, get rewards. And that's how I rolled. And I've, I've thought about this a lot, this idea of this, this confusing posture towards blessing. And it kind of feels like this unholy trinity of uh, uh, capitalism, meritocracy, and religiosity. Like the three of these all had a baby, and it, we call it blessing in the evangelical church. <laughs> but where did this idea come from? And, and why, why did I come to believe in life that I could level up in life if I just figured out how to win at being a Christian? I get all the blessings if I can just win the whole Christian thing. I think some of us, and this is certainly true for me, as we have gone through the shiftings of our spiritual journeys, I found myself over the last few years less and less using this word blessing. And I think it's because it's had this complicated spot in my life for so many years where I've just sort of distanced myself. I don't want to, I don't want to think that way anymore. I don't want to think where God blesses some people, not others, where if you just do the right things, you'll get blessed, etc. And I've kind of put my, some distance between myself and this word and yet recently I've, I've been coming back to it, especially in the context of this series as we're re-examining religious words and ideas and practices and sort of dusting them off and being like, does this thing still have value? And if so, what is it? And, and I actually am now finding myself thinking that I kind of want to reintroduce this word back into my faith. I kind of I I like this word. I might bring it back. And so I'm going to show you how I got there this morning, and if it's helpful for you, that's great. If you still want the distance between this idea of blessing, great. If you never left it at all, also great. Hey, guess what? You're a sojourn. It all belongs. So here's how I'll start. And what I want to do is I want to build a definition of blessing with you. And don't freak out. It is going to have five parts to it, but I will try to get through these five parts with some level of efficiency, okay? And if at any point you get bored, just raise your hand. Be like, can you skip to the next part? And, and I will strongly consider it. So here, here's where I'll begin. Looking at the origin of the English word bless and blessing. So the origin of these words, the verb bless and the noun blessing, what I, what I had to understand is that both these words are, are inherently connected to the religious world, which is to say they are uniquely intended to convey an experience with an engagement with the divine. This is where these words came from, bless and blessing. For example, the word bless, if you trace the origin of its word, it comes from much older words that literally mean to consecrate something for a religious ritual, specifically with blood. So to bless a thing is to use blood to take a profane, non-holy thing, you bless it, and now it's sacred. Now it's sacred. So to bless is to move something from the profane to the sacred. And then the noun blessing is specifically used to, to name a gift that comes from God that brings some sort of benefit. So this is where these words came from. They have an inherent religious connection component. So when you get that best breakfast burrito, when you get that free upgrade, when you get that killer seat uh, uh, at, the, at the restaurant, 
Maybe we want to call them blessings, sure, but in the purest sense of the word, these are words that are connected to some sort of religious experience component, etc. Does that make sense? So these words are connected to religion or religious experience. But that raises a couple questions for me. First, does just any gift count as a blessing? So if it's viewed as a gift from God, does it just any gift count as a blessing? And then another question is, where did this concept even come from that blessings are gifts from God? I think that's an interesting question. So here's a couple thoughts on that. Our spiritual ancestors, and when I say our, I'm primarily naming our Judeo-Christian spiritual ancestors, which is our, our Jewish uh, spiritual forefathers and foremothers. Our spiritual ancestors write uh, or wrote a lot about blessings. And when they did, they often coupled it together. I thought this was interesting. They coupled it together with its opposite word of curse. So when they wrote of blessings, they often wrote of blessings and curses. Blessings and curses. And what's interesting about that is this helps me illuminate that not just any gift like, counts as a blessing, which is to say that the word curse literally means to restrict, to bind, to hold something tight, to weigh it down. This is literally what curse means. And then opposite of that, blessing is to release, to open, to liberate. And so seen in this way, here's how I might begin our working definition. You might say that a blessing is a gift which, and I've got this on the screen, lightens our load. It is a gift that eases our suffering, and it is a gift that contributes to our liberation. So not just any old gift. It's a gift that, that does these kinds of things. The opposite of curse. Curse restricts, holds down, and blessing liberates, opens up, frees, eases. But then I think if we're going to understand this idea of blessing as a gift, then that implies what? If something is a gift, that implies what? There's a giver. Thank you. I think that was you, Cameron, right? Thank you. Or was it Steve? You're both nodding your head. This whole group wins. You'll have another chance later to catch up. No, I'm a one. I have to go over. <laughs> okay. You're now going to move to the east side. East side is winning. Um, moment of silence for Stephen. The East Side Story wins. Uh, okay, so yes, if it's a gift, then this implies there's a giver, and that takes us back to the idea of a blessing being a gift from God. And here's what I think about that, and I might be wrong. As I, I was going to say, as I always am. I'm not always wrong. I always have the potential to be wrong. Is that safer? It feels safer for me. I might be wrong about this, but here's what I think. Consider this. For most of human history. And by that, I mean the, 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 the long history. Whew, man, that's just, it's just not liking us today, is it? Okay. Where's the wireless handheld? Because that often sounds really tight and good. Um, it's probably in the black microphone box. Can we just pause for one second? And that way we can get this mic situation figured out. There it is. Okay, great. All right. And we're back. That is way better. Thank you. Um, new space, new microphones. We'll get them worked out one day. Okay. Where was I? Oh, yeah. Human species. This is so fun. Here's what I think. Consider how for... Oh, great. Now I only have one hand. Oh, no. This will be fun. For most of the history of Homo sapiens, the, the worldview, the thinking was that our lives are entirely at the whims and the mercy of the gods. For most of human species, 
religious social history, the thinking was that there are gods somewhere and they just move us around like pieces on a board. And so if things go well for us, then clearly the gods are blessing us. If things don't go well for us, then clearly the gods are cursing us. Oh, look at this. Our crops are growing. Our children are healthy. The rain has come. Our livestock is multiplying. Well, surely God is blessing you. And then conversely, oh man, life's a struggle. Our kids are always sick. The tribes around us are always attacking us. The rains haven't come in months. Clearly, God, the gods are cursing us. Now, that's overly reductionist, but I also don't think it's entirely wrong. That this is predominantly, you know, we have sort of a, a modern slice of Homo sapien life, but go way back, and there's a lot of time where this was the predominant thinking that there are gods, or eventually God in the sky, who controls all the things. And so blessings or curses are, these, these words are almost like ancient observations. Think about it like this. It's almost like these are ancient observations that sometimes, and you know what this is like, sometimes life seems to be going pretty well. Sometimes life feels open, free, peaceful. And sometimes life feels very much not that. It feels hard. It feels heavy. It feels constricting. It feels weighty. Take those two observations, map it out over thousands of years of human civilization and development, and you can sort of see how we get this system to where if life is going well, the gods are blessing you. If life is not going well, the gods are cursing you. And I was thinking about this, and I'm like, okay, but... but where did even that thought come from? Where might that have instinct, that intuition have come from? And I think maybe when you think about the mystics of old, the early scientists, ancient enlightened individuals, I don't think it took a whole lot of creativity to get to the conclusion where when life is going well for you, when the rains are coming, when the livestock is, livestock is multiplying, when the kids are healthy, I, I think the, the obvious observation is Whatever forces are causing this to happen are way beyond our ability. They're way beyond our control. We really don't control the rain. We really don't control the livestock. It's beyond us. It's beyond us. And this word beyond, for me, is kind of like the thing that undergirds these ideas of blessings and curses. To be blessed is to be the recipients of gifts that ease the burden in our lives, and these gifts, where do they come from? Beyond. I don't know. Who can know? They come from beyond. Or to put it another way, they come from God. God. Beyond. Beyond God. You can see how these ideas, these words, eventually became merged if we're blessed, these are gifts that come from God. So then, let's add to our previous definition. So now we might say that a blessing is a gift given by God. There it is. Woohoo. Which lightens our load, eases our suffering, and contributes to our liberation. And this, I think, is the Judeo-Christian tradition around this idea of blessing. To trace all of our blessings back to God. Both in a causal way, which is to say, things are going well for me, therefore God must be blessing me. And also in sort of a cultic, ritualistic way which is to say create practices around gratitude of, of thanking the gods and eventually one singular God, Yahweh, thanking God for the blessings. 
And this kind of dynamic, this this interaction between God was the foundation of the ancient Israelites' religion. This was how this was how they formed their relationship to their God Yahweh. In their worldview, if they did the right things, if they followed the law, if they practiced the the the, the rituals and the sacrifices and the rites correctly, then Yahweh would bless them. Yahweh's face would shine upon them. Things would go well for them. And then conversely, when things did not go well for them, when the Babylonians took them off to exile, when the Assyrians conquered their lands, when the Romans colonized them, then clearly the conclusion is we have not held up our end of the bargain. We have failed. And so as a result, these are the cursings from God. When I, when, I, when I think about it in this way, it's not hard for me to then see how this tradition has developed over centuries of religious and communal life. It's not hard for me to sort of trace this line directly into the young 19-year-old version of myself firmly entrenched in the evangelical world. Where if you do the right things and say the right things, God will bless you, and if not, then not. And... I don't entirely have an opinion, I don't think. I don't think I have an opinion on the good, bad, right, wrongness of like the ancient tradition of seeing blessings and curses. Like that just, it just was. I don't necessarily have an opinion on it. But I do have an opinion on how the aforementioned unholy trinity of capitalism, meritocracy, and religiosity has created this rather nasty little side effect called prosperity theology. I do have an opinion on this. And prosperity theology, if you're unfamiliar, is the belief that financial prosperity and physical health is God's will for us always. And so if God is going to bless you in any way, it's going to come through material blessing and or it's going to come through physical health. This is prosperity theology. This has created these twisted theological ideas that have developed these scams, and I know you know these scams, built around the idea that if you just send the right amount of money to the toothy television preacher on TBN, or if you just order this prayer shawl and rub it a certain way while you say the right prayer, then just sit back and watch as the storehouses of God get emptied into your bank account and or, you know, you might get your cancer healed over the phone. These are, these are scams that have been developed in the last several decades that have taken this ancient observation that sometimes life goes well, sometimes life goes hard. How? I don't know. Beyond God. Maybe we follow orders. We get, has taken this, twisted it, and developed these entire scams to milk people of millions of dollars of money, promising them blessings, etc. But even if we for a moment set aside the extreme version of this, the extreme of prosperity gospel, I still submit to you that the dominant belief in most churches, this is especially true for most conservative, most evangelical churches, the dominant belief is still the one that I shared with you at the very beginning of my talk. It may not be as hardcore as prosperity theology, but it's still kind of low-key, like, do and say the right things and you'll get blessed. Say the wrong things, do the wrong things, and you won't. And I just need to tell you that this sort of juvenile thinking and this is really what I, I think it is. This juvenile thinking that sees God as this divine Disneyland dad 
who has nothing better to do than to say, well done, human. You did really good today. Watch as your stock portfolio grows. Like, that's really the best that God can come up with? Or, well done, Christian business. Good job taking a stand against those scary liberals. Just watch as your revenue grows. Like, this is a juvenile, in my opinion, a juvenile conception of the divine, which is the best idea that God can come up with is to give you more money when you do good things. And I think we see these adolescent theological ideas expressed in sentiments like, Wow, look at these gas prices. They're really cheap today. Yay, America! We're one nation under God again. Or, what the heck? My Chipotle is now more than $9? Must be because of all the baby killing and the gays marrying. Cursed. Some juvenile thinking, IMHO. This absurd thinking that God must be blessing us because we have more money or we have nice things. Or God must be mad at us because we're still stuck with an iPhone from four models ago. How do I get God to bless me? And that was slightly autobiographical, that last sentence. Now, look. I'm I'm not saying, don't mishear me. Or if you want to, that's fine too. I'm, I don't think I'm saying that it's bad or wrong to see material goods or physical well-being as, quote, blessings. I don't think this is my point. In many ways, these things do fit the bill. I don't know if they, uh, they do fit the bill of that which can ease the burdens, lighten the load. Like, these things can contribute to that. So I'm not saying, like, yes, 100%. We can count these as blessings. This is great. However, I do think it's unwise, and I do think it's unhelpful, and I do think it's just myopic to reduce the concept of blessings to purely material prosperity and physical well-being. This is where I think we run into complications. When we reduce, and like, this is, this is the only way that we think of blessings, or this is how God blesses us, solely, is through prosperity and physical health. And I tried to get underneath that this week. I tried to, I tried to get behind that. Why? Why? Why do we have this idea that this is how God blesses? And I think, and again, I could be wrong about this, but I think, again, to go back to the majority of the existence of Homo sapiens wandering this rock hurtling through space— we only really cared about, with exception, we only really cared about the first two uh, uh, tiers of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah, we took a weird turn, didn't we? I I think for most of humanity's existence, we really only cared about the first two rungs, physiological needs and, like, safety and security. Am I not going to die? Do I have enough food and water? And can I defend myself from the neighboring tribes? As a result of this, that most of Homo sapiens' existence were really primarily occupied with these first two rungs, as a result, I submit to you that when life is really just about trying to stay alive by either having enough food to eat and 
or having enough protection from the elements, then logically, one would see things such as consistent provision of food and water, uh, increase of stocks for the winter, store goods for the winter, uh, security of not dying, security of not getting sick, security and protection from the spear tips of your neighbors. I submit to you that these sorts of things historically have been understood as winning at life. That's kind of the extent I would imagine of most of Homo sapiens hashtag blessed experience. We read in the Hebrew Bible things like, I'll bless you, I'll make your children flourish because of Abraham, my servant. This is, this is what blessings look like. You'll have children and your children will have children. Why? Because the children didn't live very long or very often. Or Deuteronomy 28, the Lord will open the heavens, the storehouses of his bounty to send rain on your land and to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations. You'll be the rich ones around here and you won't have to borrow from anybody. And so if nothing else for me, this is a call to appreciate that the ultimate indication of what it has meant to be blessed by God were things like having healthy children and keeping the family line going and having enough to eat and drink and not dying from famine or war and so on. And so as much as I can cringe and I do cringe at modern day prosperity theology, I think it's important to acknowledge the ways in which thousands of years of this kind of survival of the fittest living would lead to a singular rather dominant belief about this idea of what it means to be blessed. This makes sense to me. There's a phrase that, uh, or a teaching concept that we've used a lot around here at Sojourn over the years. And it comes, I believe it comes out of the world of spiral dynamics. And the, the phrase is this, transcend and include. And the idea of transcend and include is as, you, as you're expanding in your life into new ideas and new modes of being and, and more enlightened, expansive thinking, you transcend the previous things that you thought and did, but sometimes you, you bring pieces with you that, that need to be brought with you. It's kind of the proverbial bring in the baby and, and dump in the bathwater. Transcend and include. And I think transcend and include is helpful here with this idea of blessing. Here's what I mean. My hope is that we would cultivate a life, yes, cultivate a life that practices gratitude to the beyond for our material gifts. We would practice a life gratitude for the blessings of material gifts and the blessings of physical health, whatever that might mean for us. I think that's important that we cultivate that life. One, one scholar that I read this week put it like this, to acknowledge blessings in this way, to acknowledge blessings is not a recognition of riches. Rather, it's a humble confession that we are not self-sufficient. And I like that. I think that's good. I'm down with that, 100%. And... And I would like for us to transcend this idea that the best or the only way that God blesses people is through material prosperity and physical well-being. I'd like us to transcend that idea. Not only is it extremely ableist to say that God blesses people through physical health. What are we saying? People that aren't the picture perfect of whatever we say health is are not blessed by God, get behind me, Satan. Not only is it incredibly ableist, I think it also bypasses the reality that many of life's greatest gifts are immaterial. Many of life's greatest blessings have nothing to do with whether we can hold them or spend them. 
And this is where I think we can honor that our place and our time in history, it gives us this kind of perspective. I think we are privileged to know, for example, we're privileged to know the blessings of the higher tiers on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We can and we do experience love and belonging and deep esteem and self-love and we actually can know self-actualization. I'm not saying these things were not at all accessible to our ancestors. Yes, sure. However, our, I'm saying our path to get them is far quicker, easier, and more natural to come by. We are far less concerned in the day-to-day life. I'm speaking mostly in sort of the, the Western, uh, uh, the rich part of the world in which we live in. We are far less concerned with these first two rungs of Maslow's hierarchy needs. So we get to spend a lot of our time and energy seeking after and thinking about these other things. And I think that is worth us acknowledging. We can know that we, there are blessings beyond just a fattened checking account. Okay, so anyway, my point in this section is to reflect uh, on, on how it is that we can think to ourselves things like, man, it is a blessing to have the capacity to stay grounded and centered and, and held in the truth that I am loved. Even when life all around me is full of chaos and, and, and disaster, I can stay centered in this. And actually that is more uh, uh, precious to me than filling out my punch card at the Yogurt Express. Like we can have that sort of awareness. And I think that is a, a privileged place that we get to be in. And I think we should lean into it. So here's another component that I'm going to add to our working definition of blessing. What is a blessing? It is a gift, material or spiritual. And maybe that's not the best way to phrase it, but I think right now you get what I'm saying. It is a gift beyond just increased storehouses and fattened livestock. It is a gift, material or spiritual, given by God, which lightens our load, eases our suffering, and contributes our liberation. And now real quickly, the last two components to our definition. But first, I got to tell you a story. Many of you have heard this story before. This is a story of uh, an old man who had just one son who lived with him to take care of pretty much the entire ranch and the entire farm. And one day, out of nowhere, this wild stallion came bounding in from the forest and just sort of wandered into their ranch, into their pen, and like, hey, I'm here for you now. And all the neighbors of the old man came over and said, what an incredible turn of fortune. What a gift that this horse that you could sell and make so much money. What a, look at you, you're so blessed. And the old man said, perhaps this is a blessing. Perhaps this is a curse. Only time will tell. A couple days later, the old man wakes up and realizes the horse that just had just come now has escaped and left and wandered back out. And now they don't have the horse anymore. And the neighbors came by and, and lamented with the old man. Oh, so sorry. That wild stallion just left. That must be so hard for you. And the old man said, perhaps it is a blessing. Perhaps it is a curse. Only time will tell. A couple days later, the wild stallion returns, this time leading a whole group of wild horses. And now there's like 15 wild horses that have all found their way into this man's ranch. And the neighbors once again say, what a turn of fortune. Look, now you have so many horses. You must be so pleased. And the old man says, perhaps it is a blessing. Perhaps it is a curse. Only time will tell. 
few days later, the son is trying to break in one of the wild stallions. And as he's riding it, the wild stallion bucks him off and the son breaks multiple bones in his legs. And as the village doctor comes by and is mending the, the, the leg of the son, the doctor laments with the father, I'm so sorry. I, I hope your son will be able to walk someday. And the old man says, perhaps it is a blessing. Perhaps it is a curse. Only time will tell. Now the old man is left with a, a crippled son who cannot help around the farm and around the ranch anymore. But the next day, some soldiers come through town. And soldiers are conscripting all the young men for the war. But the young man who is stuck, confined in bed with broken legs is not taken. And as the war ends, none of the young men from the village survive. And the neighbors come to the old man and they say, wow, your son was spared. You must feel so fortunate. And he said, perhaps it is a blessing. Perhaps it is a curse. Only time will tell. And the son eventually healed of his wounds and was able to once again help his dad on the farm. And for the rest of his life, he heard his dad say to him almost every day, we never know whether a thing is a blessing or a curse until the story is finished. Perhaps this thing in my life right now that seems like a blessing, it seems like a gift, yay! Perhaps this will lead to liberation and openness and freedom, perhaps. Or perhaps it will lead to future tightness, constriction, suffering. Perhaps this season that you're in right now in life, where the bills are extra hard to pay, where the relationships are extra strained, where you feel super lonely, and all obvious signs point to this is, this is a time of curse. Life feels hard and heavy and burdened, perhaps. And also, this season that you're in right now, six, nine, 12 months, three years from now, you know what I'm going to say. It might be the thing you look back on and you say, wow. That actually led to greater freedom, openness, and liberation in my life. Perhaps it is a blessing. Perhaps it is a curse. Only time will tell. So then to add to our growing definition, I say that a blessing is a gift, which we may not fully understand at any given moment in time. Material spiritual, given by the beyond to help ease our suffering, to lighten the load, to lead us toward liberation. And then finally, to bring all this home, I submit to you, and I've already gone long enough, so I'm just going to go right ahead and say this. I submit to you that God gives these kinds of blessings. Wait for it. God gives these kinds of blessings through people. That's it. That's the tweet. How do we get blessed by God? I submit to you, it really is only through other people. I don't know that I know of another way. Even the times in your life where you have sort of this internal sense of, of, of being held and loved and guided by the divine, I submit to you that that, that 
that even that awareness to be able to tune into that and to hear that came from at some point somebody in your life helping show you the way. It came from some book that you read, some podcast that you heard, some person, I don't know, who showed you love that you were able to then receive on your own. So all I'm saying is that whatever blessings might come into our life, if we were to rewind them all the way back to their origin, there is another person somewhere at the beginning of that. That how God blesses us is through people. And so the final piece of our definition is this. A blessing is a gift which we may not fully open or understand at any given moments, material or spiritual, given by God through the generosity, through the kindness, through the love, through the teachings, through the insight, through the presence of other people which lightens our load, eases our suffering, and contributes to our liberation. May we be people who practice this ancient art of seeing life's gifts as blessings. May we practice seeing the sunrise and the rainfall, the paychecks and the pizza, the text from loved ones, the game nights with friends, that podcast that opened up new ways of thinking, that book that healed something deep within us, when our friends buy us dinner, when the neighbor moves our trash can, when pets snuggle up on our laps, may we see the world around us as gifts from beyond that ease the burden just a little bit, that lighten the load, even if only for a moment, that put us on a path toward liberation. And may we remember that we are not as smart as we think we are. Can we ever really know what is a blessing and what is a curse? Are we so sure that today's trials and tribulations won't be next year's Thanksgiving table share? And may we, when all is said and done, see that really, really, the only way that God blesses people is through the bodies and the hearts and the minds of you and me. This is how the divine blesses. Sometimes I find myself in my spiritual wanderings and growth and transformation and reevaluate everything. Sometimes I find myself wondering and asking and thinking, but does God exist? But is there God? Like, really? Really? And then the next day, I wake up to some friends in our community who organized a GoFundMe campaign because our family had to move houses unexpectedly. And within hours, our network of friends and family and people we don't even know raised over $6,000 for us to be able to move last month. Does God exist? <laughs> person who lives in an entirely different state buys us a new refrigerator because the house that we're moving into didn't have one. <laughs> Does God exist? Friends text me in the middle of the day for no reason because they know that it's been a, a hard season for me and they just say, hey, well, you know that I love you. Does God exist? <laughs> I 
I submit to you, friends, that if God is anything, God is at least love enfleshed. At least. God might be more than that, but if nothing else, I know that God is real because you. You. How does God bless people? Through you. Through you. Through you. I just met you, and I can already say it with confidence. Through you. Through you. This is how God blesses people. Instead of communion this morning, or maybe a different way of doing communion this morning, uh, rather than taking the bread and the cup, I'm going to invite us to engage in a, in, a, in a practice together. And this is where I need someone to help pass out the boards and to pass out these little half sheets of paper. Thanks, Stephen and Mike. We do communion every week, and communion historically for us is to take a piece of bread and to take some sort of drink element and to be reminded of the divine here with us. And I thought today, maybe instead of doing that practice out in the courtyard, we would stay in here and do another practice. Oh, do we have pens? I don't know if the pens were... Box, oh. Okay, we have, we're going to pass out writing utensils. And Ben and Karen are going to sing a song for us. And while they do, I just invite you in live stream. We should have a side-by-side. I actually, shoot, it might not work now, huh, Nico? Because of the weird fuzzy screen thing. Oh, no, it is. Great. So live stream, you can participate in this as well. And what I'd like us to do is, is just all together in the same space, but individually with your own piece of paper, over the next few minutes, just work through this worksheet as a way to reflect on this idea of blessing as being a gift, which we may not fully open or understand at any given moment, a gift, material or spiritual, a gift given to us by God, specifically through the bodies and the presence and the generosity of others. And I invite you to fill in some of these blanks as a spiritual practice this morning, as our way of communing together in this practice and as a way of communing with the divine. And you see the prompts there. Can you just name two material blessings? Because I don't want to lose that part of it. I just want to also add, what are some blessings recently that are not material that you can name? And then what's a current thing in your life that's appearing as a curse? And this is really vulnerable. You can skip this section if you want. But what's the thing right now that appears as a curse? But who knows? Maybe one day, one day, perhaps, it could be a blessing. And if that feels too scary, you can look back on what used to be a curse in your mind that you now give thanks for. And then the third section is, I wonder if you'd be willing to write down the names of three people who have blessed you recently. And if And how? Was it through material? That's awesome. That's a thing, and it's good. Was it through something beyond material? Can you name that? And then finally, since we are the way in which God blesses people, I don't know who's going to be blessed this week by you. Make a plan right now. Make a plan right now. Think of someone you're going to bless. Materially, spiritually, make a plan. And I'll, I'll be back here and, and we'll close out here in a couple minutes.
thanks for listening to the sermon podcast for Sojourn Grace Collective. If you're in the area on a Sunday morning, we invite you to join us sometime for a gathering. Or if you can't make it in person, you can always be a part of our virtual church by watching the live stream on YouTube or Facebook at 10 a.m. Pacific. Before you go, we wanted to tell you that a large portion of Sojourn's financial support comes from listeners like you, people who want to express their gratitude for our ministry and who are thrilled to know that a church like Sojourn exists. If that's you, and if you'd like to partner with us in this work, please visit sojourngrace.com donate, where you can make a one-time donation or sign up to be a monthly supporter. It was an honor to have you with us today. As you go about your week, may you take with you the words we say at the end of all our gatherings. Be brave because you are a child of God and be kind because so is everyone else. Mm-hmm.